Hey guys, welcome to this week's Money and Investing Show. This week we are handling the thorny and almost certainly controversial topic, as a parent, can you be too kind to your kids? Unfortunately, the bank of mum and dad is likely to find itself maybe working on some bad debts or mortgage provisioning as we see a shift in what's going in the economy. Make sure you take plenty of notes out of this. And most importantly, make sure you take plenty of action. See you in the show. Hey guys, welcome to this week's Money Investing Show with me, your host, Andrew Baxter, and as always, my offsider and co-host, Mitchell Laurentiel. Thank you for having me on the show, Mr. Baxter. As always, upstage, beautiful suit here today, buddy. <laughs> now, moving away from being kind, we're going to talk about how being kind can actually sometimes be cruel. And in particular, what we're really focusing on today is the bank of mum and dad, the bank rolling activities that's been going on the last few years in the property market right now, and how that kind of intertwines and where that's going to lead to. Indeed, yeah. And as a parent, I guess you want to set your, set your kids up, but are you setting them up or are you setting them up? You know, setting them up in the way that you want for a better financial future or are you setting them up for failure? And I think we're going to be seeing a, a bit of a reality check for a lot of parents that perhaps uh, coming from a good place uh, have been looking to do the right thing to, to set their kids up, primarily in the property market, only to discover that the altruistic helping hand um, has just delivered what could be a poison chalice. Which is really sad because you know, it's always based on good intentions. Mum and dad want to help out, get you into the market. We've just seen AB probably to kick us off as a nice point here. The government announced much the same. I think there's a 2% first home buyer scheme where they basically bankroll the other 18% to avoid lenders mortgage insurance. It's ludicrous considering that we've got a property market that's likely to pull back by 15% or more, according to the RBA. Without sounding too cynical, when politicians say it's okay, we're from the government, we're here to help, uh, that should send warning bells off left, right and centre. And I think, yeah, it's arguably the dumbest thing I've heard in an awful long time come out of a lot of dumb comments, come out of politicians' mouths. Uh, You're in an overly hot property market already and all you've just done effectively is move risk from the private sector into the public purse. And uh, I guess people will say anything to get elected. So let's talk about, in that case, AB, moving away from government, because we could talk all day, (laughs) into the bank of mum and dad. I mean, we pull out some figures, I believe, from our understanding, there's around 35 billion currently of mum and dad's money in loans for kids. Yeah. And the average gift is around 100,000 for a deposit. That's right. I mean, they're they're big numbers. And this is a material factor uh, to really talk about. Hence, A, why it's made it onto the the, the subject matter of today's podcast. And and more importantly, that now is a time to be on the front foot and, and not hiding away. So yeah, about 35 billion or so in the property market as gifts from the bank of mum and dad. So it's not an inconsiderable amount of money. And I guess, yeah, what's really brought this to my attention is that, you know, the banks are prepping for what's coming, um, interest rate rises, uh, possibly a significantly weaker property market. And so the banks are on the front foot. The question is, what steps are mum and dad doing with their loans that are out there? Uh, And that's going to be something I think is going to be a very sobering wake up call um, for for the parents that have loaned up the money. And it's got the potential to really cause some rifts in families too, I suspect. So yeah, let's dive headlong into it and, uh, and, and take a bit of a look. So there's probably two risks really at bay here. Number one is if rates go up, mm. um, you know, if the if the child or the child, I say the, the, the adult who's being bankrolled by mum and dad can't service the mortgage, number one. Mm. Number two, if prices go down. Yeah. So let's start with number one. All right. I mean, the notion of 
yeah, and you, you see this all the time when you hear, you know, people like, you know, Bill Gates, what are you going to leave your kids? Warren Buffett, what are you going to leave your kids? And, and ideally, you would like to leave them with a great start in life, being an education, uh, good values, uh, drive, and, 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 and letting them realize their own goals and, and dreams in life. Financially, it can be tempting to step in there too. And, you know, as a parent of five, it's something I think about often is, you know, okay, what kind of thing do you want to do with your kids? How, what do you want to give them? Where do you want to leave it? And I think sometimes in that effort to lay down a nice velvet red carpet for people to walk on um, you can number one steal their dreams and number two you can remove some of the tougher life experiences I think that whilst they're not necessarily pleasant they might be tough are the sorts of things that help build character and resilience uh, and ultimately um, allow people to succeed in life because they've built that muscle memory uh, of resilience so you know yes what can happen if interest rates rise so here's a scenario um, your, your children are looking to get into the property market. It's very tough from an affordability perspective. As a parent, you've probably done quite well. Your property's gone up in value. You've got plenty of cash. You're transitioning into retirement. You think, okay, let's let's give a gift for the kids to help them get into it. Now, traditionally, to get started in property, you need to have acquired a deposit, saved it up. Uh, and the reason for that is twofold. Number one, it gives some fat uh, for the bank to lend against. Number two, it's shown that the borrower is of good character and they've been able to regularly and consistently save not a little bit, but a meaningful amount, uh, which is important uh, for twofold. Number one, it shows their commitment to wanting to buy a property. They've been focused, they've had purpose, they've saved, they've worked hard. And number two, it shows good financial management on their part where they've been actually able to save in order to do that. That's important from the bank to see, I think, in terms of being able to service a loan later on to say, okay, if you've been able to safe, you're going to be able to service and, and regularly repay the loan as we require. Now, over the top of that, overshadowing it, mum and dad come in and go, look, we're going to give you, as you've pointed out, and I mean, it's, if this is the average number, the average uh, gift from parents at the moment is $100,000. It's a lot child, of money. Big gift. And if that's the average, that means there's substantially more than that in some instances, and obviously substantially less than that in others. Now, so mum and dad come in and go, here's a couple of hundred grand go buy a property, we'll underwrite the deposit for you so you can get your start. And you go, that's very kind of them to do that. The challenge is that now mum and dad have got a couple of hundred grand, whether it's just simply a gift, whether it's a gift and loan back, whether they've got shared title, uh, whether there's an informal agreement around the Sunday lunch table, who knows, but they've now got a vested interest in that property. We're into a situation, and it's not if interest rates are going to rise. And look, I've been absolutely smashed on social media over the last sort of 14 months where we've aggressively said interest rates are going to be rising, are going to rise far sooner than people think. And so many people have been misguided, I think is the term, uh, by the highly inappropriate promise made by Philip Lowe, the governor of the Bank of Australia, to say that we won't be raising interest rates until 2024. He had no business making that promise. Um, but because that promise was made by the governor of the Reserve Bank, he kind of take it on face value that, yeah, okay, that's pretty pretty solid. We're going to see an interest rate rise in the next couple of months. Blind Freddy's going to tell you that. We've got a cost of living that's gone ballistic. Um, you know, 5.1% inflation right now. Um, it's pretty know, tough there. And, um, and, and it's not transient. It's sustained. There are cost pressures due to COVID, energy prices, foodstuffs, and all the rest of it. So we've got rising interest rates to face. So you're in a situation where you haven't necessarily been able to save a deposit. Mum and dad have come and chucked a couple hundred grand at the property, and now the cost of servicing that loan 
is going to increase. In fact, it's probably if you've got it on a fixed rate and you're moving across to a variable rate, which, you know, there's a, a large rump of lending out there that's moving into variable rates. So you, you, just to move from fixed to a variable rate right now is probably going to be around about somewhere between about 400 and about 1200 bucks a month, depending on the size of the loan. So that's without an interest rate rise. That's just the migration from a fixed rate to a variable rate as that fixed rate period matures. Add into that the likelihood uh, of interest rate rises. Where do I see them? I, I don't think the RBA are going to come out and make one quarter point move and that's the end of it, just like we're going to see in the US with the Federal Reserve. We're going to see you know, a fairly hard and fast rate rising cycle to get inflation under control. Uh, and it's going to weigh very, very heavily on our economy. We're in a fragile position right now, uh, but we do have you know, a number of endemic problems. We've got house prices that are run away and a huge cost of living rise. So now, Mum and dad have put a couple hundred grand into the property. The 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 um, the kid, the uh, the, the young kid. adult, we'll say the your kid. son or daughter, um, is now in a situation where their cost of servicing a loan has increased fairly dramatically. They've already been in a position where they weren't necessarily able to save the deposit that they needed in order to get into the property, and now they're faced with higher costs of servicing that loan. As the bank of mum and dad, what do you do? If they're getting behind with the servicing or they're struggling to make ends meet, does that mean that you're now going to have to also backstop the loan repayments as well? And you might go, nope, it's your problem, it's your house. Now we helped you get started thinking we're doing the right thing. Now it's your problem to resolve. The trouble is you've got 100, 200 grand now invested in that property. Uh, and if for some reason um, that your your kids aren't able to service that debt and, 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 and that house or property is repossessed, you lose a couple of hundred grand gifts. So not only have you not given them a start in life, but they've now lost the asset that was there and you're down a couple of hundred grand. So does that mean that you're in the boat too, paddling like everybody else and, and, and now paying towards their mortgage costs too? It's a very real spectre uh, for a lot of people that have done that. Or, or, or worse yet, let's say you've guaranteed the loan, which a so lot of parents collateralized. You're now in a situation where you've cross-collateralized and look, that's okay. You may have plenty of equity in your property and you go, look, we're, we're right, we can afford to ride that out. But these are all considerations in the good times that people don't think about. You know, I always say to our clients and anyone that I talk to in terms of providing investment advice, prepare for the worst, expect the best, the ball's going to drop somewhere between the two. And if you haven't gone through this sort of deliberation, okay, what about when rates rise? Not if, when rates rise. How are you going to go servicing that debt? Are you going to be okay? You're going to need a little bit of help from 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 us to to help contribute toward that. Very, very real spectre for people there. Now, what we've not talked of is what about when there's a drop in property prices? Again, it's not an if, it's a when. And if we look at the um, fairly conservative estimate from the Reserve Bank, they've talked about a 15% drop over two years. And I suspect we might see a little bit more than that, but let's just say it's a 15% drop over, Face value. over two years. Um, Mum and dad have helped you get the deposit. You've put your 5% deposit down. You're now in your dream apartment or house, whatever it may be. If and when those property prices fall down, and let's say they do drop to the extent of 15%, and you've only got 5% equity in the house, the loan is worth more than the house. It's a situation which is called negative equity. In other words, you owe the bank more money than what the property is now worth. Now, it's scary to hear. It is scary to hear. It's probably even scarier if you're the homeowner and you're in that situation because your obligation is to repay that debt in full. So now you've got to contend with higher repayments because interest rates are higher to buy a property that's not worth what you paid for it and 
plan B, if you think that doesn't sound very appealing, is to basically foreclose on the property and just walk away from it. So what do you do if you're a parent in this situation? What what should be your plan? How's your Is there a way out of this? I think there's probably a good time to be having this full and frank conversation. Whilst it was probably not quite emotional when you cut the check for 100 or 200 grand for, for your kid to say, here you go, here's your start in the property market. And there's immense gratitude for that. Sometimes that can be a poison chalice. So next time you're around the table having Sunday lunch, it's probably a good conversation to be having to say, look, what's our, what's your game plan? What's our game plan if we're preparing for the worst, we see a fall in property prices and we see a rise in interest rates, that double whammy, and there's a potential that your new home becomes something that's in a negative equity situation and the bank comes a calling and saying, look, I appreciate that you've put a deposit down, but we're going to need more money to de-risk us the lender from this, you're going to have to put in another 5 or 10% um, cash buffer uh, to get the loan-to-value ratio back down to 95%. It's crazy. And when you think about prices where they are, AB, a 15% pullback is is a lot. I think, you know, 1970, the average person bought a house that was around four times their annual wage, whereas now it's around 14 times yep. your annual wage. So we're paying a lot. Um, and, you know, with the lack of wage growth as well that mm. we're seeing at bay, in the economy, I guess it, it, it proves to be quite challenging. It is a very difficult scenario and it comes back to you know, responsible lending. And we've spoken many times and I appreciate we probably sound like the fun police and oh, no, you know, don't steal our dream. It was, I can't wait for the comments. Oh, it was easier for you in your time. And we've you know, dealt with those. It's always hard at any time. There's different challenges. It's as simple as that. Where we're at is a situation where lending is not as responsible as it should be. And, and you're quite right. I think um, when my mum and dad bought their house, it was two and a half times their combined salary or three times a, a, an individual salary, uh, which you know is perhaps fairly conservative by modern standards. Um, but at the same time, that fiscal responsibility was there where you didn't find yourself in an overly geared position. We've, of course, been in an environment where interest rates have been falling and, and at low levels now for, for a decade. And so we're not used to the the, the, the the momentum really changing in loan repayments going going the other way. And it's a stark reality of what's happening, combined, of course, with um, yeah, the potential for a fall in property prices. 15% is pretty conservative. I mean, if I look at the Byron Bay market where I live, 45% growth last year. So, you know, if you had a 15% fall, you know, it's okay, there's still 30% gain from last year. But if you're someone that's joining the market today and you don't have that, that sort of reserve, that fat on the bone from the gains that you've seen over recent years, then yeah, you may well have to shovel more cash in or sit down with your parents and say, look, I'm in a bit of a sticky situation. I'm struggling with my new repayments, which are now you know 25% higher than what they were. And secondly, um, I've got this letter from the bank. What does this mean? Oh, it means you need to put more cash in. It's, it's challenging and I appreciate or we appreciate that maybe a lot of people hadn't considered a lot of the topics that we've raised today, AB, which is all the more reason why we keep harping on about this in every single episode and that is the need for financial literacy. So as we come to the back end of this episode, if you are a parent in this situation who maybe doesn't understand what's going on mm. or, or even a kid or a young adult who's got the house, mm. What would your recommendations be? Look, financial literacy is key. You know, the biggest risk of all in life is the one you don't know about. And 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 making financial decisions based on an emotional reason, helping your kids out, um, 
altruistic as that may seem, being a great parent, it may feel at the time, isn't necessarily the best course of action. So if you're thinking of doing that, this is a really good time to maybe think again and, and look at and explore what the consequences of, of that particular action of trying to help someone can be, because the reality is rather like the government, it's okay, we're here to help. You might find that you're having the equal and opposite impact. You're not helping, you're creating a bigger problem. If you are in the situation where you've already gone down this pathway, um, one of the things I think over the last couple of years, it's, it's so easy to be a bank basher uh, and say, oh, you know, pretty, you know, pretty nasty things, which in often cases are probably quite true, but nonetheless can be quite nasty to hear about the banks. One thing I would say, particularly through, you know, the pandemic, is that the banks appeared to be showing a very different approach to working with people that were in financial difficulty through the pandemic, um, you know, where, you know, there was loan, uh, you know, the loan forgiveness for a period of time where you could have a stall on repayments and so on and so forth that was because perhaps that was a finite problem you know you got a pandemic for an x period of time albeit no one knew how long that was going to run for this may be a little bit more sinister that this could be the start of you know a reasonably significant rate tightening cycle for the next say two to maybe three years where we see you know two and a half percent plus perhaps in terms of interest rate rises um, and, and that will have quite an effect on on many many people if you're in that situation, talk to the bank. They they do have the ability and the legal requirement to talk to you if you're in financial difficulty um, to, to restructure a loan, for example, or so, you know, work on you know, different types of payments. So have that open uh, communication with your lender, absolutely. And as I say, yeah, the banks really did show themselves in a, in a pretty good light through, through the pandemic in that regard. It, it goes back to the core question, trying to help someone isn't necessarily doing the right thing. And yeah, I just had this um, conversation with my kids actually at the weekend. Um, we we're out on our farm and, and and there was a butterfly and and, and, and there's a, quite a few butterflies actually eating eating some of uh, some of the stuff that we're growing at the moment. And yeah, you can go in and spray, but we're trying to be fairly organic with what we're doing uh, out there. And, and my daughter said, oh, let's just help them fly away. And I said, well, it's not quite as easy as that. And she said, well, why not? They're, they're struggling to get out of the, the chrysalis that they're in and, and, and be able to fly. Uh, wouldn't it be better just so that they could fly away? And I said, the problem, darling, is that if you help them out of the chrysalis, their muscles aren't going to develop and they're never going to be able to fly. That actual process of breaking out of the chrysalis is how their wings develop strength to better fly. And again, in trying to help someone and do the right thing, you can actually have a detrimental impact on what's going on. So as a parent, and as I say, I'm a parent of five and I look down the line, my kids are young at the moment. As I look down the line in the next sort of 15, um, 15 to 20 years or so, when I'm perhaps in that window where you, know, you get into seriously into your estate planning and, 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 and wealth transition and so on, it has prompted me to really think about what I intend to do down that pathway because you do want to help your kids to an extent. At the same time, they do need to build the muscle memory to be self-sufficient too. And by trying to be overly helpful, certainly can have that uh, detrimental effect. And I've seen it with um, you know close friends and family uh, where we've got, you know, we're going to help our kids get in the property market. We're going to give them a property. But when you actually sort of discuss that and break it back into the elements of, okay, well, look at the tax implications for you. Um, look at the asset protection risks that you're creating um, if, if the kids are in a, in a de facto relationship uh, or, or moving towards a de facto relationship, all those different things. So it's not just a question of giving them a helping hand. You need to be quite strategic. What's the asset 
protection plan that you've got in place. And this is where, you know, we could open the door on things like a bloodline trust using self-managed super for asset holding and uh, as an intergenerational asset tool. Again, you know, you get people that pan you, you know, the rich don't use super. What do they need a pension and retirement for if they're rich? Well, uh, self-managed super isn't just about paying you your money each week when you're retired. It's also a terrific intergenerational asset protection tool with magnificent tax benefits. So, you know, looking more holistically and becoming financially literate is absolutely crucial if you're going to get on this pathway. And the notion of being the the benevolent parents, here's 100 grand, here's 200 grand uh, as a start to get somewhere, I don't necessarily believe that's the right way to go. I didn't get a cracker out of my parents and I'm so glad I didn't um, because it's maybe molded me to have the views that I do about people that do that. And it's not a criticism if that's how you feel that you want to help your kids, but you may not be helping them. You could be causing a problem both for your kids and for yourself. You just didn't know what that problem was until perhaps now where we're having this conversation that you could well be on the hook for higher mortgage payments for your kids. You run the risk of losing that deposit that you put down for them if they're unable to keep up with the payments or worse still, if it's cross collateralized against your property and the bank foreclose on property one, they can then come after you for property two. So, you know, there's a lot of play, uh, ball, sort of balls in the air with this kind of thing. And you do need to think through those financial decisions, prepare for the worst, expect the best because it probably will drop somewhere in between. Great analysis, AB, and love the metaphor, by the way, on the farm there. That's awesome. Mm. Thanks very much. Absolute pleasure. Anytime, Mitch. There you have it, guys. Make sure you give us a review and a rating so we can get the message out there, and we'll look forward to hosting you next week.